Hello everybody, I hope we're all having an awesome day out there. I would like to give you a warm welcome back into the world of cannabis. We've got some really exciting topics we'll delve into today and the title of the episode will be called Breaking the Stigma. In today's discussion, we'll define the entourage effect and discuss microdosing and its rising popularity. And we'll also take a look at how overall marijuana is not being viewed as intimidating as it once was due to the modification of laws and changing perspectives, among other reasons in which we'll see. We'll start today's episode by defining the entourage effect. By definition, the entourage effect is a proposed mechanism by which compounds present in cannabis, which are largely non-psychoactive by themselves, modulate the overall psychoactive effects of the plant. These effects resulting, for the most part, from the action of the main psychoactive component of cannabis, THC. Simply put, the entourage effect is the unique combination of cannabis compounds such as cannabinoids and terpenes that create a different physical or psychological impact than a single compound on its own. So one unique ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes in the plant will create a completely different effect than another ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes. So although one ratio might provide similar effects as another ratio, no two differing ratios of cannabinoids and terpenes will provide the same exact results. Back in the day, marijuana was marijuana. There was really no two differences about it. Now, due to science, we can separate and isolate all these cannabinoids and terpenes and find out what they do on their own and then what they do also in conjunction with each other. Cannabinoids and terpenes work synergistically, so they enhance each other's properties when put together. The genetic makeup of a specific strain of cannabis will determine the specific ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes in that plant. Some ratios can cause undesirable effects for a certain individual, whereas a different ratio may provide desired and ideal benefits. For example, when treating anxiety with cannabis, a high CBD and low THC ratio would be optimal, whereas a high THC and low CBD strain might actually exasperate the anxiety. On the other hand, when using cannabis in cancer treatment, a 2 to 1 or 1 to 1 ratio of THC to CBD would be most effective to increase the appetite and also help with pain management. To re-emphasize what was mentioned prior, since we can separate these cannabinoids and terpenes and isolate them on their own, we can recreate different ratios of these cannabinoids and terpenes with benefits suited for a specific ailment. As the cultivation of marijuana is a chemistry and horticulture more than anything now, we can create specific strains due to crossbreeding that produce expected ratios of these cannabinoids and terpenes. Cannabis plants are now lab tested to see the exact cannabinoid and terpene profile in that specific strain from that specific growth cycle. Now due to seed to sale tracking, knowing the exact genetical makeup of a plant, and also the plants being mold and pesticide free, when we go to the dispenser we know exactly the effect to be provided from that specific strain of cannabis. Isn't science cool? We now know precisely the type of flower we're receiving, whether it's a sativa, hybrid, or indica, and which will differentiate these in a later episode. But for now, having an understanding of the varying genetics of a plant not only legitimizes cannabis, but the whole cannabis industry in general. Due to dispensaries, the worry of cannabis being waste, which is a potential issue if purchased on the streets or black market, gets completely eliminated. In turn, this validates everything going on in the marijuana industry as research proves pure marijuana is not harmful to the body. As cannabis becomes more regulated and accessible in public places, it's only going to become safer and safer. It's no longer a crapshoot, if you will, of the effects to be received. We know exactly what we're getting. So now that we're aware that we can recreate these cannabinoid and terpene profiles in larger ratios, we can actually do the same thing in smaller ratios and smaller dosages. 
This will lead us into our next topic of discussion today, microdosing cannabis. The Webster's Dictionary definition of microdosing is the action or practice of taking or administering very small amounts of a substance in order to test or benefit from its physiological action while minimizing undesirable side effects. So pertaining to the cannabis plant, this means we can take minuscule amounts of the cannabinoids and terpenes, knowing the exact dosage, and they'll produce a more than anything therapeutic effect and benefit. Microdosing will limit and keep an individual from overstimulating his or her brain or body. Since excess stimulation won't be a part of the equation, there also won't be a so-called come down either. It's a universal law that what goes up gotta come down. There won't be as much as a come up, but there won't be as much as a come down either. This enables an individual to maintain a happy balance and feeling of bliss. Research proves that cannabinoids and terpenes provide positive benefits to a wide range of people. Some folks tend to overload on cannabis whenever they do use it. This is not fatal or harmful by any means, but it may lead to paranoia or grogginess. The individual could potentially be missing out on a wider range of benefits by not overloading the cannabinoid receptors. Microdosing cannabis resolves any of these issues. Dustin Sulak, a physician and Reiki healer in Maine, has been practicing cannabis medicine since 2009 and has his patients utilize microdosing. He states, I discovered that most people have a certain threshold of cannabis. Mr. Sulak goes on to say, Below it, they'll experience a gradual increase in health benefits, and above it, they'll start building tolerance, experience diminishing benefits, and more side effects, like short-term memory loss and clumsiness. Dustin has his patients start with the lowest cannabis dosage possible. From there, he says, increase the dose by small increments. When you reach a point where you feel the difference after consuming, you found your minimal effective dose. Dr. Jamie Caroon, founder of the Center for Medical Cannabis Education in San Diego, says, With medical cannabis, it's not about more is better. It's actually about less is better. He goes on to state, Relief without impairment. That's where microdosing is the most useful. As a doctor, my objective is to recommend the minimally effective dose. Research shows that as little as 2 milligrams of THC can help reduce pain and anxiety. In a University of Illinois at Chicago study found that up to 7.5 milligrams of THC induced mild mood and well-being improvements, but 12.5 milligrams just made people more anxious. Vapes and edibles allow for the most reliable microdosing. For example, a couple low milligram capsules might be used to manage chronic pain. Or perhaps one or two inhales off of a vape pen might be used to alleviate anxiety throughout the day. Microdosing will allow cannabis to not be frowned upon as being part of daily life. It will eventually be utilized in a healthy lifestyle, incorporating it as part of a wellness routine with other natural supplements. Microdosing cannabis will be of much use and benefit for medicinal and therapeutic use in a busy and stressful lifestyle. Now with all that being said, it's not to say there isn't a time and a place where that overloading of sensory input on the cannabinoid receptors will be the desired effect. This is more likely categorized as cannabis for recreational use. For example, say after a long week of work and you're hanging out with your friends, you might want to get that overloading of sensory input and aka stoned. Or perhaps after a long day working outside and you're watching the game, you might want that extra euphoric feeling. Although microdosing may turn into the preferable method of consumption in these situations in the future too, it really comes down to the individual's preference. As more research unfolds pertaining to cannabis and as the industry progresses more and more, only time will really tell how prevalent microdosing becomes. Based off the current research and anecdotal evidence relating to microdosing cannabis, it seems like it'll remain relevant for quite some time in the world of cannabis. 
Since we have discussed the entourage effect of microdosing, we will now delve into other topics related to cannabis that will help break the stigma. As proper education is received on the plant and the viewpoint towards marijuana of being an intimidating drug is getting diminished, it will completely eliminate the negative stigma attached to cannabis. First of all, as I've mentioned this in a prior episode, the categorization of marijuana being a Schedule One controlled substance needs to be removed. In the United States, a Schedule One controlled substance is defined as being no medicinal value and high potential for abuse. Yet, cannabis is helping to treat cancer patients and the FDA has approved the cannabis-derived medicine for children with seizures. On top of that, as humans, we have cannabinoid receptors in our body that interact with the cannabinoids in the plant. Also, we produce our own endogenous cannabinoids called endocannabinoids. The endocannabinoid system's job is to maintain a stable internal environment, also known as homeostasis. So marijuana is not physically addictive like many other legal substances on the market, such as caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol. On paper, cannabis is the same as heroin and worse than cocaine. That needs to change. So let's make a comparison real quick. Let's say a tomato is classified as a Schedule One controlled substance. I know this sounds outlandish at first, but hear me out, it'll make sense towards the end. So if pizzas were made illegal to sell across the United States and world, and there was enough money to be made off of illegally selling the tomato sauce for those pizzas, on the black market, people would be doing it. Due to the forced rarity being on the black market, it'll increase the value. Rarity equals money, and if the revenue was sufficient enough to compensate for the risk of illegally selling a substance, criminals would be selling tomato sauce for profits. As the consumer demand for pizzas on the black market rose, the value and price of tomatoes would rise with it. There would be gangs selling tomato sauce, killings over tomatoes, and robberies over tomatoes too. Now we all know tomatoes are harmless, but in this example it all comes down to money. Drug cartels don't do what they do for fun, they are running a business, just an illegal one. They don't care about the actual product being sold, they care about the money they're making off of it. If cannabis is made federally legal and an individual can go to a store dispensary and buy it at the competitive rate, it will serve no purpose on the black market anymore. The less demand for marijuana on the black market will lead to less money being circulated from marijuana on the black market, which will ultimately eliminate illegal activity relating to cannabis. When made legal, marijuana businesses will function just like any other industry. Even if it is legal to grow marijuana in your home, there will still be a demand for it at dispensaries. This is a basic concept of supply and demand. If the demand's there, the supply will have to meet it. Yes, it's cheaper to make a steak dinner at home, but we still all do go out to a steakhouse and have a meal readily made for us. Yes, some folks still do make moonshine illegally for personal use, but the majority of people will go to the beer or liquor store and pay slightly more to have it packaged and ready to drink. In a capitalist system especially, people will pay the premium for the no-hassle and ease of access. The cannabis industry will be no different. And as I'm sure you folks have realized by now, I try to refrain from using the words weed, pot, and dope whenever talking about the plant because I do believe they carry a negative connotation. The more proper, non-biased terms whenever referring to the plant are either cannabis or marijuana, as they possess a more positive emphasis. And as we delve deeper, strain names are also being changed to sound less intimidating. A couple current daunting strain names are Green Crack and Chernobyl. Chernobyl was a catastrophic nuclear accident. If marijuana is foreign to an individual, names like these may contribute to a pessimistic first impression. Times are indeed changing and the industry is expressing a more professional, pleasant, and tranquil approach. 
a cannabis company in California called Candescent is encouraging this more positive approach by creating more relatable names to enrich the cannabis experience. On their website, they say each one of their flowers has an effect to complement every lifestyle. Also, when the consumer is searching for a desired strain, Candescent's question is, how do you want to feel? The cannabis strains they sell fall under five categories, calm, cruise, create, connect, and charge. Based off of the desired effect the consumer wants to receive, Candescent will guide him or her into one of these five categories. This company is doing an excellent job of making the cannabis experience more personalized. Names like Calm, Cruise, Create, Connect, and Charge definitely promote a more positive and soothing first impression. As education and information on cannabis becomes more widespread, there will be less ignorance and also more factual-based opinions on the plant. Evidently, the full transparent truth of cannabis will be unveiled to everybody. And that's really the ultimate goal of this podcast series, is to disclose the full truth on marijuana. I don't care if anyone uses this plant, it's not my business, but everyone across the world needs to be properly educated on this plant and its potential. Only then can an individual create their own unbiased opinion on cannabis. Once the facts on the plant are known, I'm not sure if there's any possible way to still carry the traditional old school mindset. Many of these viewpoints were the direct results of manipulative action by people in charge, but facts don't lie. As the medicinal value of cannabis is more actively utilized, it will spread to the news and it will eventually make its way to the mainstream media. And as this evidence is surfaced, the negative tone towards cannabis will diminish. The marijuana industry is now more bona fide than it's ever been before. Professional and experienced businessmen and women have become extensively involved. Celebrities have become prominent figures in the industry as well, such as Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson who presently own their own cannabis brands. Among others, Martha Stewart is thoroughly involved in the industry now too. She has accepted an advisory role at a marijuana company called Canopy Growth Corporation. The Canadian-based company, Canopy Growth Corporation, is a global leader in cannabis cultivation. Martha Stewart will advise cannabis growers on products for humans and pets. Real, tangible money is being made from the legal cannabis industry, and lots of it. The financial gains and massive potential for growth will lead more and more people into the sector. As the legalization of recreational cannabis is booming across Canada, taxes on the plant will benefit the states in the U.S. as well. In 2017, Colorado made more than $247 million in marijuana taxes, licenses, and fees. These tax revenues are used to give grants to schools, help with the state's infrastructure, and are used towards health care. Just think of the positive impact on the country if all states across the United States did this. As quarterly and yearly revenue statements are continued to be released across Canada, the wowing profits will only prove the industry is increasingly more legitimate. Numbers don't lie either. There are now very large companies making acquisitions of established cannabis businesses investing upwards of a billion dollars into the industry. Atria, the maker of Marlboro cigarettes, has agreed to make a $1.8 million equity investment in Kronos Group, a leading Canadian cannabis producer. Scott's miracle Grow, traditionally a gardening and supply company, also wants in on the action. Scott's has made a $450 million acquisition of Sunlight Supply, who is ranked number one in the U.S. hydroponics sector. Hydroponics is the process of growing plants in sand, gravel, or liquid with added nutrients but without soil. Scott's miracle Grow's subsidiary company called Hawthorne Gardening Company specializes in hydroponics, lighting supplies, and horticulture. The hydroponic crop value is anticipated to grow to over $27 billion by 2022. 
the improved yields, which will lead to greater return on investment, and the environmental protection aspect will attract larger share of producers as well as investors into the market. Atria and Scott's miracle Grow, among others, are viewing these acquisitions as investments. They see the inevitable future of the cannabis industry and want to be at the forefront of it. These experienced and professional businessmen and women wouldn't be throwing these large sums of money around if they weren't expecting a return on their investment. This podcast series is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice. Although the cannabis movement isn't moving along as quickly as I would personally like, I do try to remember that flowers do take time to bloom. No pun intended. I look back on the past five years in the world of cannabis and see how far we've progressed. I can't really even imagine what's in store for the next five, maybe ten years. The future does seem to be bright for the plan as it's now becoming the topic of elections across the United States and across the world. Medical and recreational marijuana are now on the ballots for voters in many places. This gives the power to the people, making it their choice. Across Mexico and in the U.S., states like Michigan, North Dakota, and Missouri, and many more places, it's up to the voters now. Cannabis law reform has become a major force in political momentum. Now I want to mention some statistics about closet marijuana smokers, as I like to call them. These stats are from a survey carried out by Yahoo News and Marist University. More than half of American adults have tried marijuana at least once in their lives, according to the survey, and nearly 55 million of them, or 22%, currently use it. The survey defines current use as having used marijuana at least once or twice in the past year. Close to 35 million people are what the survey calls regular users, or people who use cannabis at least once or twice a month. 55 million people is an astounding number, and that means there are nearly as many marijuana users as there are cigarette smokers. And more than likely, when purchasing this plant on the black market, there are hoops to jump through, making this number even more substantial. And these stats don't take into account the individuals that had to quit smoking marijuana either due to drug testing at a private company or just they didn't even want to deal with the hassle of getting it on the black market. He or she may have switched their recreational activity from marijuana to getting a six-pack of beer on a Friday night after work instead. Once marijuana is legalized and more easily accessible in stores, these individuals are much more prone to buy a couple of pre-roll joints as their recreational weekend activity. Legalization will only draw more people into the market and it will make the plant more valid as it won't be looked at as an intimidating illegal drug anymore. I do believe the cannabis industry will boom more than any analyst or investor can even expect. Now, this podcast is by no means investment advice, but there already is a set demand of people who are jumping through hoops, if you will, their whole lives and keeping everything quiet to get the plant. One can come to the conclusion that these people that are getting it on the black market currently will definitely continue their cannabis activity now that they can purchase it in stores. This is not even accounting for the newcomers to the market who wouldn't even think of using an illegal substance before, but now that they can legally purchase it, they might consider it. The mindset towards cannabis will certainly change across the nation and across the world once it's legal and not frowned upon. In other news of eliminating the stigma in the world of cannabis is DARE, the Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program who has erased cannabis from their gateway drug list. DARE's education program seeks to prevent use of controlled drugs, membership in gangs, and also eliminate violent behavior. They are now realizing the truth about marijuana and moving in the right direction. It's honestly amazing how they kind of changed their mind and perspective completely, and now they're pretty much admitting they were wrongly classifying cannabis in the first place. And as mentioned in a previous episode, cannabis use in sports is becoming more and more widespread. 
We can see that athletes that use cannabis still can perform at a peak level against some of the best athletes in the world. These athletes are using marijuana in their recovery process and also for pain management as an alternative to addictive substances, such as opioids. We're now realizing these world-class athletes can use cannabis and still perform at an optimal level. Cannabis use is now prevalent in the NHL, NFL, and UFC, among other sports organizations. The NHL actually doesn't penalize its athletes that test positive for cannabis. It was all kind of kept quiet for a number of years, but it's coming to the surface now as there's real research to back their claims. As the stigma attached to cannabis is fully diminished, the perspectives and vantage points towards the plant will change with it. These change of views will have a snowball effect, and as time passes, the old mindsets and viewpoints will look faultier and faultier as there won't be any factual proof to make a claim against marijuana. Research progression will prove the benefits of cannabis as there'll be less anecdotal evidence and more fact-based confirmation. As we continue to openly discuss marijuana for what it is, it will benefit the world of cannabis, making it more acceptable in society. It's coming to fruition that successful people can smoke marijuana too. Bill Gates, founder of the world's largest software company, Microsoft, says marijuana was his pharmaceutical of choice. Barack Obama, former president of the United States, says cannabis should be treated like cigarettes or alcohol. Michael Phelps, 23-time Olympic gold medalist, was once involved in a scandal for smoking a bong in a video. Oprah and Whoopi Goldberg are also advocates of cannabis. Whoopi Goldberg has stated that her vape pen has changed her life, helping to treat glaucoma-related pain. So in the past, it was the rule of thumb that if you smoke marijuana, you're unsuccessful, and then to be successful, you can't smoke marijuana, but now we're finding out there's really no correlation. We're now grasping due to the notable figures that use marijuana that it doesn't have to be one or the other, it can be both. Cannabis may actually expand the mental capacity and perspective of an individual, along with its medicinal value, which is indisputable at this point. Really, anything can be abused, even if it isn't physically addictive. Things that are commonly abused that are physically addictive are caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol. But also, watching TV too much and being a workaholic can have a detrimental effect on someone's health. Any extreme can have a negative impact on an individual. Aristotle sums this up with his rule of the golden mean, which states, Moral behavior is the mean between two extremes. At one end is excess, at the other is deficiency. Find a moderate position between those two extremes and you will be acting morally, he says. So by breaking down numerous aspects in the world of cannabis, discussing some use cases involving marijuana, and also by delving deeper into various perspectives of the plant, hopefully throughout this discussion today we were able to unveil some truth and shed some light on cannabis. So now that the numbers and facts have been surfaced, the listener can create their own opinion on marijuana. And as always, I am grateful for everyone that is listening to this podcast series, but I'm also grateful for the members of our community that aren't with us, but are still helping to thrust the cannabis movement forward. We all do share a common belief and a passion for the greater good. The world of cannabis is much larger than any individual that inhabits it, but the evolution of the plant would be halted if it wasn't for each person's contributions towards the movement. And I am a big quote guy, as I'm sure you can tell by now, but I found a very relevant one for the current time from Henry David Thoreau. Mr. Thoreau once stated, A minority is powerless while it conforms to the majority. Change is happening. Be a part of it. Keep making your voice heard. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share so we can spread our message out to the world. And also head to theworldofcannabis.org to send suggestions for future episodes. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you back here next time. But until then, enjoy the world of cannabis.